Hey, welcome to the Coffee Buzz. I'm Brad. Thank you for listening. Do appreciate that. I am getting ready, as I've mentioned in the past, for a 25K trail run. It's coming up February 23rd at the Perdinalis State Park. And I decided to take a few weeks off from the podcast and really focus on this run, make sure I do it right. I don't want to kill over at uh, the 15th K out in the middle of the woods in a state park. So I will be back sometime around early March, and I really look forward to uh, talking to you then. I do have an episode here that I've been anxious to, um, to do, and it's all about happiness being a skill. Um, this, to me, is kind of a big concept just because I've never thought of it like that, uh, that it's like playing guitar or trying to uh, beat him at chess, although usually she beats me nine times out of ten. But just like playing chess and playing guitar or photography, painting, whatever, it takes focus and practice and mindfulness and... Dr. Joe Dispenza is the author who introduced me to this idea, and I really hope you enjoy this. I've always heard that happiness is a choice. Heard that all my life. And while I think it's true, it's an oversimplification. Uh, I mean, going to Harvard is a choice, but it requires a lot of skills. Developing that happiness skill is like learning the guitar or surfing, uh, learning to play soccer, whatever. I've read a lot of self-development slash self-help books. They all tend to have the same overarching message of living in the present moment and believing in that self-fulfilling prophecy. But it wasn't until I heard Dr. Joe Dispenza's theory on this that it actually made real-world sense to me. He's a neuroscientist, and his approach to this is a scientific point of view. It's rather than some abstract philosophical concept. According to him, we think 60 to 70,000 thoughts a day. And in the past, I would naturally assume that my thoughts were the truth. That that was basically my default position. So go with me on this. If I'm thinking 60 to 70,000 thoughts a day, and 90% of those are the same as yesterday, and I have this belief that my thoughts are true, and basically creating my destiny, then I never change. The same thought is going to lead to the same choice, and the same choice is going to lead to the same behavior, and the same behavior creates the same experience. Let's keep going down this rabbit hole. And the same experience creates the emotion, and over time, a personality forms around this whole thing. Becoming aware of this concept, there's a name for it. It's called metacognition. And that's important because the more conscious I became of those unconscious states, then thoughts no longer were slipping by my awareness unchecked. 
According to Dr. Joe Dispenza, mind is the brain in action or the brain at work. If you can improve the way the brain works, think about this, who's doing the improving? Uh, He says it's consciousness, not the brain, not the body, not the mind. It's consciousness. It is what manipulates the brain to produce the mind. The brain actually processes 400 billion bits of information a second. Uh, We're only aware of about 2,000. And of these 2,000, there's basically three major themes. The body, the environment, and the time. That's it. Like, does your back hurt? Are you hungry right now? How long is this podcast going to last? And that's where our self-awareness is on. Yet, Billions of bits of information are being processed by the brain. When we can improve, when we can move into that self-awareness and move it away from the body and the mind, we no longer have to live by those rules. And once that happens, you enter into what Dr. Joe Dispenza calls the quantum field. Every thought produces a chemical. And when I think happy thoughts, positive thoughts, I feel good. And conversely, if I have bad thoughts or negative thoughts or contracted thoughts, I make chemicals that make me feel bad. When you turn on those stress responses and you can't turn it off, I know I've been there, you're headed for disease because no organism can live in that stress mode for an extended period of time. It's a fact that hormones of stress downregulate genes and cause disease. I hear a lot of people, you know, talking about their personality shortcomings or illnesses on genetics. You know, something like, my family has a history of diabetes, or my parents were angry, so I'm angry. Uh, Cancer always runs in my family. But really, our thoughts and lifestyle choices supersede genetics by a long shot. As humans, we get the privilege or the curse, depending on how you look at it, um, to turn on these stress responses at will, you know, thanks to our prefrontal cortex. It takes up 40% of the brain. That means that our thoughts can make us sick. That's scary, right? But If you think about it, if our thoughts can make us sick, then they can also make us healthy. I was diagnosed with stage 2 Hodgkin's lymphoma in 2001. The doctors told me this cancer was one of those that they didn't know what caused it. And I'll be honest, deep down, I knew that I had something to do with it. I, I had made myself sick. Especially looking back in retrospect, it was obvious. I was depressed, angry, I had anxiety all the time. I had a victim mentality, if you will, about life in general. And it took me years to fully process that experience of having cancer. Uh, After the chemo and radiation, I didn't exactly run out and start living life to the fullest. I was still stuck in that mindset, but something had changed. When you go into a chemo lab, at least the one I went to at Texas Oncology, 
it's a huge room uh, filled with people getting treatments and you have to sit there for hours. It takes a long time. I think the average I would do would be like three to four hours. I did it every two weeks and I would see people far worse off than me. And it was then that I realized just how lucky I was. Some of those people that were tougher than me that kept coming back, they didn't make it. And I did. I didn't, at the time, I didn't feel like I deserved it. The whole experience was the greatest teacher I've ever had. It took me years to accept the lessons during that time, but it was immeasurable as far as what I learned. And that's pretty much this. I had to stop blaming everyone else for my problems. I had to stop blaming my parents, my income, my situation in life. Uh, and I had to reinvent myself as a happy, healthy person. Here's Dr. Joe Dispenza. I started becoming fascinated with the idea that you can give someone a sugar pill, a saline injection, or perform some false surgery or treatment, and a certain percentage of those people will accept, believe, and surrender to the thought that they're getting the actual substance or treatment and they begin to program their autonomic nervous system to make the exact pharmacy of chemicals equal to the substance that they think they're taking. So then it begs the question, is it the inert placebo that's doing the healing or is it the body's innate capacity to heal by thought alone? Because that pill is a symbol of possibility. All it is is a symbol. The doctor says, this is a great new drug that's gonna help with depression and a person begins to think about the idea that they could get better. They're selecting a new potential in the quantum field. And then all of a sudden, a certain percentage of those people will get enthusiastic and theos, filled with God, inspired, optimistic. They start changing their emotional state. They're combining a clear intention with an elevated emotion, and they're changing their state of being. And all of a sudden now, I began to realize, do you need the sugar pill? Do you need the saline injection? Or can you teach a person, instead of putting their faith and belief in something exogenous outside of them uh, that would do the healing to change their state of being, can they just select a new potential in the quantum field instead of focusing on an unknown, focus on an unknown and revisit that unknown every single day until it becomes a known? And all of a sudden, you'll see people's depression go away, their anxiety go away, and they're not using the placebo any longer, the healing. According to Dr. Dispenza, by the time we're 35 years old, 95% of our brain is on autopilot. We've memorized a set of behaviors, emotional reactions, and thoughts so much that our bodies are now the subconscious mind. Then emotions that happened in the past tend to drive our thoughts, and those thoughts drive our emotions. The repetition conditions the body emotionally to live in the past. If you're waking up every morning and running through the same unconscious routines, then the body is on autopilot, and it's creating a predictable future based on what you've done in the past. In other words, people lose their free will to a program, and that program is not something outside of them. 
It's inside. It's that they're so caught up, though, in those habits that they haven't stopped long enough to realize that there's other choices to make. What blew my mind about Dr. Dispenza's teaching is that these emotional states are actually addictive. So I was addicted to being angry and depressed and anxious. And it was because of the chemicals that were being produced and sent to my body. When someone would cut me off in traffic or uh, say something at work I didn't like, I could feel that energy surging through my body. And every day I would create the same situation to get the same experience to get that chemical. It's basically a negative feedback loop where the thoughts create emotions and the emotions create the thoughts. And I'm just along for the ride. This is what makes it so difficult to ignite change. These habits or programs have been installed and they've been running for years. So the question at this point would be, how? How does one put these concepts into practical steps? The hardest part of change is not repeating the same thoughts and actions as the day before. And it feels uncomfortable. Even if those thoughts and actions were negative, um, but that's because humans like predictability. That's why people stay in bad relationships or bad jobs, you name it. Um, doing something radically different is unsettling for anyone. But the moments that I feel uncomfortable, that's when I know that I'm in the sweet spot, that I'm in the river of change. And I've had bouts where I would go back to those old ways and think, this just feels right. I need to go back to this. This is who I am. And um, I had to just become more comfortable with that unknown place between my old self and the new self. And at that point, I could decide who I wanted to be. I have to rehearse the mental ideal of myself every day. If I repeat this over and over again, it becomes a skill. I have to practice to the point where it becomes habit. Of rehearsing that mental ideal, it actually begins to install neurological circuits in the brain to basically look like the experience has already occurred. And if we can have that emotional state ahead of the actual experience, that it could create that emotion that I've created of wealth and happiness and love, uh, perfect career, you name it, fill in the blank, it becomes a reality. And that's how I moved from the past to the future. Here's the question I had to ask myself. Can you believe in a future that you haven't seen or experienced yet? The latest research in neuroscience says yes. And once you enter into that quantum field, you can relax and know that that experience is going to find you. And it is going to come in ways you least expected. And when this happens, you can make that, when you make that correlation between thoughts and emotions changing your reality, you'll want to do it again and again. This is human empowerment, and no one is excluded from this equation. So the process of change requires two things, 
learning and unlearning. It requires breaking the habit of the old self and becoming a new self. I've talked before about meditation, and when I'm not doing mindful meditation, I use Dr. Dispenza's method of rehearsing what I want to have happen. I'm not a master at this. Um, Part of the reason I'm doing this episode is to teach myself. Ideally, I like to do this meditation first thing in the morning uh, before going on a run with Molly. I contemplate things like, what would it be like to be happy all the time? What would it be like to be surrounded by abundance? What would it be like to have perfect health? In doing this, I signal new genes and new ways to rewire the brain. I can literally have my thoughts affect my body. Whatever it is I want to manifest, this is how I put my intention on it. The hardest part of all this is making the time to do it. Waking up early. For me, that's 5.30 to 6. In the mornings, it's so rough for me, and it's a work in progress. But the days that I get up, uh, they're so much better. I just have to show up. Here's a quote from Albert Einstein that I like. Logic will get you from A to B. Imagination will take you everywhere. Imagination is a powerful thing. Everything in our world was basically once just someone's imagination. I'm sure when Charles Babbage first had the idea for the computer, most people thought he was crazy. My theory is if people think I'm crazy, I might actually be onto something. I believe most of us are more powerful than we think we are. You don't have to be a Buddhist monk or dedicated to any religious doctrine to do this. Uh, once I understood the science and demystified all the self-help noise, it all made sense. And my personal development moved forward at an exponential rate. If you're able to do this right now, humor me a little bit. Don't do it if you're driving, but get out a piece of paper or uh, text yourself, whatever, but write down two behaviors that no longer serve you and decide if they belong in your future. Become so conscious of those thoughts that you would never do it again. Now, think of two thoughts that you do want in your future and rehearse them in your mind so that you're priming the brain and activating those circuits. Here's the catch. You can't get up and be the same person you were when you sat down. You can't wait to be healed to feel healthy. You can't wait for abundance to feel wealth. You can't wait for a mystical moment to occur to feel awe. In fact, you have to feel awe for the mystical moment to occur. Now, the word meditation means to become familiar with. To become familiar with your unconscious states of mind and body so that you never slip into those states. And ask yourself this tomorrow morning when you get up. What is the greatest ideal of myself that I can be today? Ask yourself that question, then get up and be that person. That's how it began for me. 
Dr. Joe Dispenza has several books. Uh, the one that I'm reading right now is You Are the Placebo. Definitely check that out. I'll be posting some links to his books along with some YouTube videos uh, where you can see him in action. Very good stuff. You can go to the blog section of my website, thecoffeebuzzpodcast.com. Thank you so much, and I will talk to you in early March.